Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms held wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's the thirtieth day of November, twenty twenty-two. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Here with producer Paul Perot. And Paul, um, let's see if you can if you can keep count. I got to get all the thank yous out. Thank you, 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 thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yesterday, yesterday we had our one day, one day only winter fundraiser for um, Faith Radio and the broadcast ministry that goes out over all kinds of media. And wow, um, thank you. Thank you to each and every person um, who gave. Thank you to each and every person who prayed. Um, we have, I don't know, a, a several dozen people who didn't um, didn't get thanked last night because their gifts came in uh, after the point in time when you know we went off the air at 6 p.m. just in terms of our live broadcast day. And so um, I'm going to say thank you specifically to some of these folks. And um, and Paul and I will keep doing this over the next couple hours. But thank you, Andrew from Victoria, Minnesota. Thank you so much um, for, uh, for a gift from an anonymous friend in Lake Nibagaman. Oh, now see, Nibagaman. Nibagaman? I don't know. You know who you are. Thank you so much. Uh, Michelle from Eden Prairie, thank you. Tammy from Waverly, Iowa, thank you so much. Thank you to an anonymous friend from Wilmer, Minnesota, and another from Minneapolis. Thank you to a friend in Champlin, Minnesota, and Jackie from Minneapolis. Thank you for uh, a gift from a friend in Green Bay and from Carol in Minnetonka. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We couldn't do this ministry without you. We wouldn't want to. So thank you to each and every person who um, texted the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or gave online at MyFaithRadio.com. Those are ways you can still give today if you missed out on an opportunity to give yesterday. We're not going to have... you know, like a long-form, multi-day winter fundraiser this year. Um, so yesterday was the day, and we got it done in a day, or you got it done in a day. So uh, so thank you so very much for your extraordinary generosity. Um, I heard somebody say, um, generosity flows where people recognize that Jesus is present. And so I'm going to take that as an affirmation that you experience the presence of the living God um, in and through this ministry, in all of its forms, in all of its platforms, um, through all of its um, expressions. And so thank you for that acknowledgement that you experience the light of Christ shining through the ministry of Faith Radio, and thank you for shining your light um, through the ministry of Faith Radio. Like, you make this ministry possible you make it happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We have hundreds 
of prayer request from folks who communicated with us yesterday during our one-day winter fundraiser, and we're going to work our way through those prayer requests as well. But let me lead off with this. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. Remember, this is part of our Reading the Bible Together Advent um, plan. If you haven't joined us already, go to MyFaithRadio.com. It's not too late to sign up. Super easy to do. Uh, Reading the Bible together during Advent, our word for this week is hope, and today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. If you're somebody who got up in the dark uh, with me today, um, thank you. Let's, uh, let's stand watch, recognizing that even as the sun will rise over, or our experience will be that the sun will rise over the eastern horizon, um, the sun indeed has risen, and we put our hope in him. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Jeff Bilbro and I will talk about uh, some things at the intersection of what's going on in the world and our Christian faith. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jeff Bilbro is joining us again today. You can find him at Grove City College, where he serves as a professor. You can also find him at Front Porch Republic, where he serves as an editor, or at jeffbilbro.com. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. All right, so uh, the countdown to Christmas has begun, and there's a lot that we might be doing um, today, and a lot of people spending a lot of time on their screens, but we're going to call people away from that and invite them to join the dance and find their kindred spirits. Uh, Take us into this really, I think, wonderful invitational post from Tessa Carmen. Yeah, uh, I think Tessa does a nice job here of modeling the and and advocating the great joys that we can uh, share together when uh, just a few people make the commitment to, to step away from screens and to be intentional about fostering uh, in-person community. So she describes uh, a kind of community dance. Uh, this piece reminded me just a couple weeks ago, our church had a talent show where young and old alike uh, got on stage and uh, shared their talents. And we had a couple of hours of great, great laughs and uh, an enjoyment and uh, then, then enjoyed uh, food afterward. I think, uh, people are hungry for uh, in-person community uh, activities, and um, we can kind of bemoan the lack of those uh, on social media, right? Or we can uh, take the initiative and create those uh, events and create those opportunities in our neighborhoods and our churches and our communities. I went to a uh, fundraiser last night for a ministry called Filter First and um, certainly heard uh, testimony from parents and law enforcement officers and educators um, and mental health care workers that 
you know, technology is not the enemy, but the things coming through those screens into the heads and hearts of our kids are very, very damaging and in yeah. ways that we really, um, it's hard to, it's, it's very difficult to articulate and it's even hard to imagine. Um, and so every single one of them was saying delay, 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 delay as yeah. long as possible, giving your kid a cell phone or a smartphone um, and, um, and equip them before you, you know, before you let the whole world have access to your kid. Cause it's not about giving your kid access to the world. It's about right. giving the whole world and everyone in it, all the nasty parts and pieces, access to your kids' heart and mind um, and time and eyes and future um, and affections and everything else. So um, this, I was thankful for this piece. You guys can find it at frontporchrepublic.com or it'll be, uh, the link will be in my show notes today as well. Joining the dance, setting aside screens to build a city. Also great resources on this same topic at filterfirst.org. Um, talk with us about 78 camels. This was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this story. Um, you know, it's a, uh, an immigrant to America, or to Canada, actually, who, um, you know, had built a kind of life and um, a good IT career and then goes back to Somalia uh, because he misses his community and uh, his heritage. I think there's a comment in the article that uh, he can name all of his ancestors, I think, back like 23 generations, which just kind of blows my mind. Wow. Um, OK, let's but, test that. Let's test that. Yeah. Go back on your on your mother's side and just name the women. Yeah, I can't. I, I did this. I can go back to my great um, my great grandmother. OK, that's pretty good. My great great grandmother. So, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, part of it is he talks about uh, he he takes his camels to the same watering hole that his family has for generations back. Whereas, you know, my family uh, came over here from, uh, I think on that side from Germany, uh, just uh, a few generations back. So there's when a family is connected to a place like that, it's easier to sustain the memories, I guess. Yeah. So it's so good. All right. So the uh, the link to that uh, is in the show notes as well today. So you can get those later today at MyFaithRadio.com. Or uh, if you subscribe to the podcast, then it'll be in the description of the podcast when you download it later today. All right. We're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment with Jeff Bilbro. You can, um, we're going to talk about the real environmentalists and how we probably should stop ignoring them. So who are the real environmentalists? We're going to find out next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. No. Jeff Bilbro is back today. If you haven't checked out Front Porch Republic, one of the things you're going to find there um, in terms of what Jeff points us to um, are people who are concerned about this world upon which we live, this this place, um, and its ability to sustain all of us in a way that is promotion, promoting of human flourishing. And God has provided all that's necessary for that, but um, we don't often organize ourselves in such a way that um, 
that everyone has access to all that they need at a particular point in time. And so we're having conversations frequently about um, land and its use um, and water and air and all kinds of things like that. And you might think of that as like, hmm, environmentalism. So Jeff, talk with us a little bit about this piece Stop ignoring the real environmentalists. Um, I liked the lead. What does throwing soup on a piece of art have to do with the environment? Yeah, Ashley does a nice job here. Uh, and she does great work. Um, she, her, she puts her money where her mouth is. She does a great work uh, in South America doing um, kind of sustainable agricultural uh, education. But she, she says, look, the people who get all the attention in our media about um, climate change and the environment are often not the people who are doing important work, right? So when someone throws soup on a famous painting in an art gallery, it's uh, international news. But there's not really any way that that is actually helping uh, the, the difficult work of tending to God's creation. And uh, so much of the environmental or the climate change discourse has become really unhelpfully polarized. And... Um, uh, you know, she highlights people uh, who hunt and who fish and who uh, garden and who work um, uh, in local, small-scale ways to, you know, to tend creation. And these people might not fit your political profile of a typical, you know, um, environmentalist, but they are doing the work that matters. And I think if we can um, kind of change the conversation from the sensational and the apocalyptic and uh, these these more um, activist-oriented frames of reference, then there's opportunity for a lot of common ground and collaboration and, uh, and work that actually tends God's creation and actually um, contributes to the flourishing of, as you point out, you know, all people, not just um, the ones who happen to be uh, in the media uh, spotlight that day. I continue to be astonished, um, like even in the grocery store, uh, by how perfect everyone imagines every piece of produce is supposed to be, um, or how symmetrical or how all exactly the same size. Or, I mean, if you have ever picked apples from an actual tree, you know, they're not all exactly the same size. And, um, you know, and, and yet they're all equally good and certainly good for you. Um, I imagine, Jeff, that in our culture, there is a lot of waste simply because of our expectation for like symmetry and um, and that everything should look a particular way. I mean, like, yeah. So I, yeah, that's right. I, I want to applaud like the ugly produce people, like the people who, you know, they go and they collect all the ugly produce and then they, you know, they make sure that people who have need of good, healthy food, um, you know, can have access to that. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of those kinds of efforts. Yep. And I think that's, as you say, you know, if you can uh, grow a little bit of your own food, maybe not all of it, but at least you get acquainted with the wonderful and odd diversity of what comes off the plant. And maybe that changes your expectations when you go uh, and buy produce at the farmer's market or the grocery store. Yeah, you're looking for ugly fruit boxes or imperfect produce if you're um if you want to know sort of what's happening out there in the culture in terms of um you know folks f- folks trying to 
uh, help us recover access to some of the produce that is lost simply because it doesn't measure up to, you know, I don't know, the perfect standard of some machine that says this is the size and the shape of, right. of an apple or a grape. Okay. Um, there are some new efforts to help places that are mired in poverty. Can you um, briefly read us in on what the Biden administration is uh, is seeking to do here in terms of priorities? Yeah, this is a really fascinating conversation, I think. And it's uh, Peter Coy does a nice job kind of weighing the, the pros and cons. Um, you know, I think there's been a lot of efforts to do place-based um, governmental um, investments, right, in terms of funding factories or giving tax breaks um, to help regions that might be, have uh, poor economies. And uh, he talks about how, look, in some ways those can be really helpful. Sometimes they can have unintended consequences and they don't actually work. Um, so kind of thinking through what interventions might actually help uh, revitalize these communities and give them uh, healthy economies so that people don't have to move from where they're from uh, to make a living while also acknowledging that uh, it's really complicated to do that well. And oftentimes uh, the, the, you know, the consequences don't work out the way you want. So I think it's a tough issue. It's an important one, but there's also not really any easy answers. When you think about, um, you think about poverty this time of year and you think about the challenges that people, um, are facing in places, you know, where you have an awareness. Yeah. And you think about ways that people of faith and churches in particular can actually help like I, I wonder how many of the things that we do this time of year actually help. Are there, are there just some personal thoughts you have on that? Yeah, that's right, Carmen. It's tough, right? Uh, sometimes we we feel good about giving to something, even if it doesn't always um, yeah, make much of a difference. But I think there is something good <clears throat> to be said in being generous, even if it's not, uh, you know, even if it doesn't change the world, it's still the right thing to do. And I am encouraged by, you know, Grove City, where I work, they have this um, uh, project on rural ministry that has uh, networked a lot of the pastors throughout the kind of Rust Belt and rural Appalachian area. And these are churches in really poor areas. And just getting those pastors together to talk, uh, to share notes, and to find ways to contribute however we can to encourage and, and further their work. That's been really encouraging uh, to, for me to see just from the margins. So I think uh, you're right that finding local churches and partnering with what they're doing can often, uh, maybe it's not as flashy, but it, it can go a long way toward actually helping the people uh, in those areas. I love that. Um, the Project on Rural Ministry, you can find out more about that um, uh, at gcc.edu, Grove City College um, yep administers this this program and it's funded by a grant from the Lilly Endowment and um, pastors from rural churches um, are invited to participate and so um, yeah that's such a wonderful thing and such a tangible way um, of honoring the church and um, and and pastors and the people who actually have relationships with people who are in real need um, and yeah, I love I love that approach. So thank you so much for highlighting that. All right, Jeff, um, thank you as always for joining us. It's such a delight to be connected with you and um, just celebrating this season with you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Carmen. Blessings this Advent season. 
Likewise. You can find Jeff at the Water Dipper at FrontPorchRepublic.com, at JeffBilbro.com, and at Grove City College. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. All right, I'm just going to just say that it's like Thanksgiving Day 2. Thanksgiving Part 2, Thanksgiving as an ongoing expression of our gratitude for you. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I'm here with my producer, Paul Perot. And yesterday, what did we do yesterday, Paul? We had a one-day what? A one-day winter fundraiser. Something we usually do over the course of two, three days during the winter. We thought, nah, let's skinny it down to one and see what happens. Wow. Yeah, I lo- yeah, wow. Wow, 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 would be the word of the day. Um, so thank you so much. I've got some thank yous for some folks who, um, you know, they, they trusted God, and some of them made gifts that for them are extraordinary. And I'm, um, I want to be, you know, uh, I'm thankful for every person who gives, and I'm thankful for every gift. We had extraordinary gifts yesterday of, you know, $5,000, and we had gifts yesterday of 6 and $8. And for the person who was trusting God enough to bring forward their $6 or $8 gift, um, I just I just want to say, God bless you. And for the person who was able to bring forth a $5,000 gift, I want to say, God bless you. Um, and thank you for trusting God, and thank you for entrusting those resources to this ministry. We will be good stewards of every dollar um, absolutely. And we will use it to amplify the gospel into places and spaces in the world where you and I will never set our feet, but where God wants the word to go forth. And so good morning to you in, or good afternoon in Ukraine and China and uh, Saudi Arabia, all the places where we know people are listening um, because this is where they have access to the hope of the gospel. Um, and so thank you to Horace in North Dakota for your gift overnight last no, that's night. Horace, Thank- North Dakota. Anonymous person. Oh, Horace. <laughs> yeah, Horace is the city. It's south of uh, Fargo. Yeah. I'm so tired. <laughs> um, Thank you. Well, no Jennifer problem. in Spearfish, thank you so much for your gift. Um, Jennifer um, sends this message, and I just think that uh, this morning I want to read it. I declare salvation upon every person who tunes into Faith Radio by the power of the Holy Spirit in King Jesus' mighty matchless name. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer, for that wonderful reminder. Thank you for your participation in this ministry. Uh, Katie from Fitchburg, Wisconsin says, my seven-year-old son wanted to contribute too. He gave the $10 from our $110 donation. He listens right along with me every day whenever we are in the car. So I'm hoping that Katie and her seven-year-old son are in the car right now, uh, maybe on your way to school, um, and, uh, and so good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much. Katie says, my faith radio has brought up so many good conversations with my son about faith and God. Thank you. Well, thank you, Katie. And thank you to your son as well. Um, good morning to you and blessings upon you on this uh, glorious day. All right. One, um, headline note here before we jump into our conversation with Ruth Kramer and take a look at what in the world's going on in the world. Um, there is a soccer match going on. Like it's a, it's a giant long ongoing soccer match. It's called the world cup. You might be aware of it. Lots of people in the world are like hyper tuned into it. So here you go. Here's my world cup update for you today. 
The United States defeated Iran yesterday in the final match of their group play. They won one to zero, advancing the USA to the next round. That's the first time that the U.S. has advanced this far in the World Cup since 2014. Now, the win did come at a cost. Um, Our star player, Christian mm -hmm, Pulisic, went down with an injury immediately after scoring the one goal that the USA scored. His status for the next game is unclear. The United States will play the Netherlands in round in a round of 16 on Saturday. Um, so there you go. There's your update on the World Cup. Ruth Kramer is going to join us next from Mission Network News. We're going to get an update um, on what is happening in China and how Christians on the ground around the world are responding to the needs of God's people. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ruth Kramer is back from Mission Network News. You can find what we're talking about today at missionnews.org. All the links will be in the show notes. Um, Ruth, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm uh, I'm nearly giddy. We had a one day winter fundraiser yesterday, and uh, instead of a multiple day winter fundraiser, um, trusting that you know God could do in a day what needed to be done for the ministry, and it it is just we're just giddy. It's God did amazing things, and um, He had distributed resources within the reach of listeners, and they then you know grabbed hold of those and have made them available. Uh, to Faith Radio for the year ahead, and yeah, I'm, I'm a little delirious, but I'm giddy. It's good. It is good um, when yeah. you see God moving in that direction. It's kind of a reassuring thing, stamp of approval, and it helps you actually to move forward more boldly. Yeah, we are prepared to say yes when God says, "Hey, come over here and do this," and so that is really exciting. I just love that. Talk with us. Um, I know you've been talking with partners in China during these COVID lockdown protests. Um, Bring us some updates from what you're hearing from those on the ground. Well, you guys probably have discussed this already, uh, the protests and demonstrations that have been taking place throughout China over the COVID lockdowns because of China's zero tolerance COVID policies. Um, You know, right now the, the demonstrations have spread to 17 Chinese cities, uh, including the capital of Beijing and the financial center of Shanghai. The protest actually started up in kind of like the northwest part of the country where you had a building fire, like an apartment fire. And because it took so long with the COVID protocols to actually enter the building and get in there, the firefighters couldn't reach people who were trapped in the building on time and 10 people died in that in that fire. That provoke some outrage over what the the impact of these lockdowns are having on people and and having on the on the, the cities themselves the economic costs that are coming with that and that is wildly spread because people are just frankly fed up with the lockdowns we're talking about some areas that have been locked down for 100 days mm. and people aren't allowed to go anywhere or do anything and and you have to ask yourself you know when we've seen the US come out of lockdowns here and we felt the long range of the impact financially how is China going to survive this? And that's part of the question that's being asked. Meanwhile, the government uh, has been responding strongly 
which has provoked even more outrage. Uh, people, because they are feeling censored, you're seeing pictures now of university students uh, lining up the main streets, holding up blank pieces of paper because they feel like they've been uh, censored. They're, they feel like they're not being allowed to express their uh, anger over the situation. And that has now moved into calls to have President Xi step down, which, of course, he's not going to tolerate. So you're probably going to see uh, a stronger response because these demonstrations have grown to the point now where they are probably the mo most widespread in China since Tiananmen Square. And that is is sort of a challenge directly to the authority of the Chinese government. So our partners from Bibles for China are saying, please be praying. Uh, people want change. And the church has an opportunity to speak into this, but pray for wisdom in that so that they're not seen as a threat to the communist government, because already there's a, a fraught relationship between the um, the body of Christ and the communist party. Um, you know, you, you've heard decades of stories where um, uh, the government has been cracking down on registered churches and the unregistered churches, uh, and now we're expecting to see more of that. So as you've seen um, people trying to engage in a national conversation about what is best for the country given the virus spread in China, um, the church has an opportunity to speak into this, pray for wisdom because they have to be very savvy about how they do this as the government continues to silence like every, all kinds of things, including um, including online media. So they're censoring a lot of information, and that has forced ministries to kind of have to pivot yet again. They pivoted through COVID, um, and then the government set down some new rules this year that uh, – uh, made things a little bit more difficult for content to get out. And now with these demonstrations, you're going to see uh, probably another response along the same lines. So that's where we are. Really incredible images coming out um, of these demonstrations in China, these people standing uh, overnight, all night long, with white sheets of paper um, held in the air. Um, just it's it's really extraordinary, and it causes me to... Um, not only pray for them, um, but, you know, pray that God would use this as a, um, you know, as a time in a particular place to, to liberate people who have been, um, you know, under the tyranny of, of a government for so long. I mean, so many Christians, so many more Christians in China now, numerically, than, than were in China um, in the days of Tiananmen Square, and I have to think that there's, you know, there is an influence being had in the midst of all of that, and that puts those Christians at ever greater risk as well um, of persecution. And so let's pivot to a conversation about persecution. Um, a couple of things here, I think, to talk about. Um, maybe first, the um, uh, the World Cup. Let's do a little spotlight on what's happening at the World Cup in 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 Qatar. Um, lots of human rights issues there. I know you've been talking with our friends at uh, Voice of the Martyrs about that. Yeah, well, we just basically said, what's the spotlight doing? Is it having mm. any effect or bringing any change to human rights issues for places like Qatar or Iran or any places that uh, you're seeing now in the competition of the World Cup um, that are known to have human rights issues and religious rights issues, which often translates into persecution issues? And, you know, this is just one of those things where you can't expect change per se. But what we can expect is some awareness being uh, brought into the conversation. Um, and, you know, it's it's a month of opportunity 
to bring the awareness into the conversation and for people to be encouraged to take it a step further. Um, when you look at Qatar, um, there are two main groups of Christians within the country, um, those who are of migrant background and those who are Muslim background believers. And both of those groups are facing persecution because that's just the way it is. Um, Christians are arrested on blasphemy laws. Um, within the country and also apostasy laws. So you have both existing within the country and um, you have one that bans speech or actions and you have one that accuses people of abandoning one's faith. And so you have very strong response from the government from of Qatar for these kinds of things. Um, just be considering as you're watching and enjoying the World Cup that there's there are greater issues that the Christian population within those countries may be facing. Um, and I, I would say that there are countries, even though the persecution is severe, where you still have a body of Christ, you still have a remnant body that remains vibrant, although it might be completely underground. Um, throughout the decades that we have been covering um, issues on uh, the body of Christ, we have always seen that there are believers in places like North Korea, one of the most uh, restrictive countries in the world where they, if they catch you uh, uh, practicing your faith, uh, your Christian faith, you, they, you will not be the only one who is punished for that. It will be your lines of generation because they want to wipe out the entire family. Even so, the body of Christ exists. So even in places like Qatar, where persecution is is rampant, where you have 99% of the population that is probably Sunni Muslim or uh, Shiite Muslim, um, you still have a body of Christ. So be praying for those believers. Many of them feel very isolated. Many of them uh, think they might be the only one in the country. Pray for the resources to reach them because the gospel obviously did. Um, so pray for the resources to reach them, that they would find other members of the body to walk alongside, even if that means it's, you know, digitally, even if that means it's uh, remotely, um, or even better, that they find another believer face-to-face uh, -face in these kinds of situations. Uh, this is, The World Cup is an opportunity for us to speak into situations that the body of Christ faces. Yeah, less than 10% of the Qatari population is Christian, um, and an overwhelming majority of those Christians um, are Filipino, Indian, and Lebanese non-citizen workers, um, and the others are converts from Islam. And so as um, you know, as we've noted here, um, it's a very, very difficult place to be a Christian, particularly when you're already um, uh, a minority, uh, you know, as in a migrant worker. And so the six churches recognized by the Qatari government are Roman Catholic, Anglican, Greek Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox, Coptic, and Indian. Um, and so obviously evangelical Christians are are not recognized uh, among those and so are at particularly high risk. So let's continue to be praying on that front as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News here in just a moment. We're going to take a look at how people who are in real distress, Christians in real distress, are turning to those in greater distress and serving Christ. Um, so from Lebanon to Ukraine, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, did you hear the news recently? There are now 8 billion people in the world. My name's Carmen LaBerge. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Here at Faith Radio, we are telling the whole world about Jesus and helping believers live out their faith every day. 
If you'd like to help us do that, you're still needed. Your financial support changes lives. You can make a difference with your gift right now at MyFaithRadio.com. Help us reach the world for Jesus Christ. Hope is a Since the days of the uh, diaspora of the disciples, because of the persecution they faced in the first century, um, God has had his people in all kinds of places around the world. And there are expressions of the local church everywhere. And so when a crisis occurs, it is best if we can turn and support those churches that are already local to the community Um, encourage them, strengthen them, and serve them. And that is exactly what's been going on in Lebanon for a couple of years um, through Horizons International. Um, And based on their experience in Lebanon, they have also pivoted to now serve a number of churches in Ukraine. Ruth, bring bring us up to date on this. I just, I love some of the, um, some of the information that's in this particular article from Lebanon to Ukraine, churches pair crisis aid with discipleship. This is one of those stories that I love to talk about because it's a story of a church under pressure uh, that is is poor now, giving out of their poverty because someone else needs them. Um, Horizons International is an international organization with a hub in Beirut. And they've got ministry centers in five different places throughout the country where you have um, uh, ministry centers, guest houses, farmland, medical clinics, transportation schools, their, you know, humanitarian aid centers and all of that stuff, which was already in place uh, to help with the other refugee population that was in Lebanon. Then you had the Syrian refugee crisis hit uh, and the, the ministry was stretched beyond where they thought they could actually respond because of the influx of the Syrian refugees. I mean, at some point, uh, the population of Lebanon was almost 30% Syrian refugees. Uh, And this was on the heels of a Syrian occupation within the country, which uh, was part of the civil war. Um, And so there were a lot of hard feelings. There was uh, generational difficulty and healing that needed to happen in order for things to move forward. And yet the body of Christ that was still suffering from those the, the loss of those family members opened their arms and said, we will take you in, we will help you. And they were, the, the Christians were the only ones to do that in Lebanon because obviously the non-Christians were saying, I remember what you did to my family, we're not going to help you. And so the Christians took in the Syrian refugees, and they responded uh, as much as they were poss- as possible in the areas where the refugees tended to congregate, which was in the Bekaa Valley, which is sort of like our breadbasket. Um, so that went on for a number of years, and you had crisis after crisis after crisis, and then in 2020, you had the port explosion. Um, again, one thing after another, we kept hearing about how the government was struggling, that the the issue of uh, corruption was a major problem, and people were calling for change, and the government was beginning to do a little bit of change, and then you had this massive port explosion, which accelerated the timetable for everything in the country. And basically right now is you have a failed state. Um, this is a, a situation where there is no, no functioning government. The infrastructure is crumbling as we speak. So people within Lebanon are pivoting again to try to find their way 
just to have basic needs, goods and services um, and and community is starting to grow because of that. So you have uh, failure in electricity and so people are you know, putting up solar panels. You have an issue where imports aren't coming in because of the Ukraine situation. So you have people now starting their own farms. Um, amidst all of this, you have a, a couple that has been serving uh, with Horizons International in Beirut that has been watching the situation in Ukraine and just saying they need more help. They just need more help. As they're seeing the devastation of once thriving cities in Ukraine, they felt like God was calling them to go to Ukraine and do what they could to respond to the situation. Um, so in October, Khalil and uh, Julia, I'm going to leave their last name out of it, but Khalil and Julia decided that's what they were going to do. And they moved, they relocated their family from Beirut to Ukraine to establish a permanent Horizons Ministry Center that will serve the victims of the war through humanitarian aid. They've already got a network of churches that they're working with within the country. And so it's kind of one of these uh, crisis response models uh, that you see from Horizons International. But the bigger picture is you have the body of Christ that is giving from its poverty to enrich another body. And I think that is how we all should be looking at these kinds of situations, finding our place in the story and then responding. Kind of reminded me of the story of the family that went uh, to Burma to serve there. Um, and eventually it you know, became the ministry of the Free Burma Rangers. But they've been um, in the Middle East, you know, when, when things... I, I'm not saying that things ever really calmed down in Burma, but once they got people there, you know, equipped to to respond and organize, then, you know, they felt God was calling them into sort of the next war zone. Um, it is extraordinary to me how God continues to call his people forward um, where the, you know, where the need is most acute. And so we want to be praying for our brothers and sisters on the front lines of efforts in Lebanon and on the front lines of efforts in Ukraine. Um uh, Ruth, we have like a minute for you to just invite people to read the story of Pastor Breck Ladd and his experience um, uh, of being on a mission trip from Mississippi to the Middle East. Oh, you got me lose there. Her? Nope. Oh, nope. You, oh, sorry. Just, oh, I found it. I found this wonderful article about why pastors should consider going and visiting Christians in other parts oh, of the world. Oh, partners. Yeah. So it's, I'm sorry, I should have referred to it by the ministry name. So yeah, it's, it's such a delightful story. Wonderful quotes in there from this pastor. Yeah, I think this is one of those things where E3 Partners is saying pastors and churches come out and see this with with your own eyes, experience, mm -hmm. walk in their, you know, experience their experience, walk in their shoes, and you will understand a little bit more about how to to meet their needs. It's more than awareness. It's an investment into people's lives. Yeah, and it's like when you meet a fellow Christian in another part of the world and you just sit with them and learn about their experience and um, the way God manifests himself and how they experience him in worship and what their discipleship is like, like it, it's, um, it's, so, it's so enriching. Um, and it, I think it helps us put so many other things in our own life into perspective. So I just really appreciated that particular piece. Again, you guys can find all of these articles and so much more at missionnews.org. Ruth, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. 
Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio, and we'll be right back for more thank yous from yesterday's one-day winter fundraiser. Well, good morning to Lou, to Sue in Lakefield, Minnesota. Um, Sue participated in yesterday's one-day winter fundraiser here at Faith Radio. She participated with so many others, but she hasn't heard her name read um, yet because she gave after hours in terms of when we were on the air saying thank you. And so Sue from Lakefield, Minnesota, I know you're listening because your message is, hey, I enjoy Faith Radio anytime I listen to a program, especially Carmen in the morning. So I know I know we're having coffee this morning. Sue, thank you so much for your online gift at MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you also to a friend in Granada, Minnesota. Is that Granada or Grenada? I don't Paul? know. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. All right. If you're in Granada or Grenada and you want to text me on the text line and tell me how to pronounce it, um, that would be super helpful. Thank you so much for your gift. Also online at MyFaithRadio.com. Rondi from Minneapolis, Minnesota checked in as well. Thank you, Rondi, for your gift. And Haley from St. Paul, thank you to you as well. Mara from Zimmerman, Minnesota also gave online last night at MyFaithRadio.com, as did Mark from Chaska, Minnesota, and an anonymous friend in Montrose, Minnesota. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody who um, participates is going to get a pack of these beautiful Faith Radio logoed Christmas-themed scripture cards, and I'm, I feel confident that we have plenty. And so if you didn't get to participate yesterday and you want to participate today, um, you're more than welcome to do that. You can give online at MyFaithRadio.com. You can text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a delight to be engaged in ministry with you here through Faith Radio. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next and a real um, a real wonderful delight. Ellie Holcomb is going to join us. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.